Hi, this is Jan Miyazaki, the host of the Wednesday 8 o'clock buzz. Thank you for tuning into WORT. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a donation at wortfm.org slash donate. It's 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes after 8, and here with me in the studio is Joe Lorian. She is with the Madison Arcatel Sister City Project, and Madison and Arcatel El Salvador have been sister cities for 38 years. And so we wanted to have Joan on this morning to talk about, you know, what's going on um, with uh, Madison Arcatel Sister City um, Project. Um, but they have some new things at their website that documents their history. And then coming up in June, there is their annual trip. So I wanted to make sure we talked about these things this morning. So good morning, Joan. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Jan. It's great to be here. So, so um, for folks who may not be familiar with when Madison and Arcatel became sister cities. Can you tell folks about the, you know, why the group was founded and when? Sure. Um, it was founded in 1986. It was Madison's first sister city, so it was kind of a big step for Madison Common Council to do this. And on top of that, it was during the war, the armed conflict in El Salvador, which many of your listeners probably know about, um, the U.S. government was heavily sponsoring that war um, to the tune of a million dollars against the um, peasant and guerrilla fighters that were fighting for equality and social justice for them and their other rural compatriots. So um, it was a pretty big deal that Madison Common Council would step up and um, sister with Arcatau in this time when they were actually in the midst of uh, bombardment, bombings, assassinations, massacres, and um, Madison really stepped up at that moment. So early on, what was that sister partnership like? I know you come in about in the last 15 years, yeah. um, um, but that at that point it would be difficult to do trips. Uh, actually, people were going regularly, yes. and that was part of the job of the sistering um, movement was to witness what was going on and let people know in the states um, what their gov- what our government was involved in. Um, at the beginning, um, there were trips for witnessing, um, but then after our sistering, one of the main jobs um, that um, Madison Arcatau Sister City Project did was set up a clinic, help to raise funds and set up a clinic in Arcatau. Arcatau is in the mountains. It's very remote and isolated, and at the time, it was just being repopulated. Well, actually, not even then. It wasn't repopulated until the 90s. But it was in the midst of bombardment. Things were getting destroyed. And um, and MASCP helped with that clinic effort. And, and to rebuild and preserve the Absolutely. history of the people there who... Absolutely. Another um, effort of Madison Architell Sister City Project was to help them preserve their his, what they call their historical memory. And so um, ev- actually for many years now, part of the money that we send to Arcatau goes to the museum and all the efforts that people there are making to make sure that nobody forgets what happened during the 80s and um, yeah, during the 80s and early 90s. You know, we're talking about something going on in 1986, and when you have young people who mm-hmm. uh, might become part of the work that 
the project is doing, you know, there's, you know, can you talk about why relating that history and that memory is so important? Um, say that question again. So for young people who are mm-hmm. born in after 2000, yeah, um, and to not understand what was going down in El Salvador in 1986 and the U.S. involvement there, to educate why that history and to remember that is so important. Well, I think um, I think that it's because we don't. It doesn't necessarily mean that the U.S. stops. I mean, we keep funding military actions around the world. That maybe, you know, we should look f- closer into what we're doing around the world. I mean, we can look at Vietnam. We can look at the current situation in Israel and Palestine, and you wonder, really, are we on the right side of of these efforts as we constantly provide money? funds, military, um, military equipment, expertise to train soldiers to, to carry out this military um, warfare. Right, and the, and the value then to these sister city partnerships is to see the impact of that on the ground on people. Absolutely, and what, what our government and what our taxpayers are supporting. Um, also, it, it has to do with solidarity with other people that are fighting for equal rights and for social justice. It has to do with sustainability in our communities that we, we work on here and our friends in Arcatao work on in their community. Um, it has to do with a lot of different issues that all of us are facing in this modern world. Um, so it's not just the military side, it's also the, the social justice, sustainability issues that all of us are interested in. So tell listeners about the Living History page. I think it's important to have this documentation. Oh, thanks. Um, it was, it's actually a project by the Madison Public Library. And they have a page on their website called Living History, which I would encourage all your listeners to check out. Um, you just go to Madison Public Library Living, Living History, and there's a whole section of different people's memories and um, yeah, memories of their neighborhoods, of different people. And in our case, it's about the beginnings of MASCP, about Madison Architel Sister City Project and that sistering effort. Um, there are seven interviews from people um, across about two or three, four years who worked who did different activities that made it possible for the Common Council to have the support to make this sistering possible during wartime and when our government was supporting the Salvadoran government against their own people. So it was a pretty strong political action that happened, and and it was because of the sanctuary movement in Madison. It was because of activists. That, that pulled together different com- different parts of this of the group, and it was because of of people in the Common Council who worked hard to make it happen. There's also you, uh, a, one of my favorite interviews is with Mary Kay Baum, who took personally took the resolution, the paper, <laughs> the paper copy of the resolution to El Salvador in 1986 during wartime, and because of the of the situation and the conflict around Arcatau was never able to make it to Arcatau, but people came. She tells the story of how people came from Arcatau during the night through the mountains to a nearby village called San Jose Las Flores, and together they looked at the resolution and 
and celebrated wow. the sistering um, in of Madison and Architel. Wow, the seven interviews are all Madisonians, and they're all what? they're all Madisonians, from Madison, yes. and mm-hmm. then recollecting this interaction yeah. with actually folks. the first one is um, an interview with the person and his family who came from Guatemala and El Salvador as uh, sanctuary seekers, and they ended up in Madison. And um, oh, his see. interview tells why he left, what the U.S. government was perpetrating in that in Central America at the time, what their experience in Madison was like, because obviously it was illegal. But this man, uh, his name is Antio- Antonio Portillo, he was brave enough to be in public sanctuary. And so he gave hundreds of public presentations to small groups, large groups, educational groups, university, schools, churches. The list is endless. And we actually have a copy of the list of where he gave presentations to let people know what was going on in Central America and how our government was involved. So he was a very brave man. He was here with his wife and three children. One was born on the way, so it's four children. And they ended up being being spirited away at one point to Canada for for safety, and um, that's where they live yet today. You know, Joan, when you were speaking, I'm I, I'm thinking how important it, it is to have this documentation and the live. It's on the Madison Public Library's Living History page. I should mm-hmm. clarify, but it's so relevant. I think for today, mm-hmm. when we're the way we. We talk about what essentially is our inability to manage the migrants coming in. It's not, you know, the people aren't the crisis. Do you know what I mean? And um, just, you know, can you, when you think about what we're reading about today and attitudes towards um, folks like um, uh, Mr. Portillo, Mm -hmm. you know, what what comes, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about bravery. I, uh, as, as you go through the different interviews, another moment is when um, th- they wrote the resolution. It's a two-page resolution with all kinds of whereases, including whereas the United States government, blah, 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 and whereas. Uh, and um, I asked um, Billy Feitlinger, who was on the Common Council at the time, oh, and sure. one of his interviews is in there. And I said, why did you put that in? You didn't have to. It would make it easier and less controversial. And he said, oh, no. That was a moral imperative at that time, to let people know. That's why we did it, to let people know and bring it to the forefront. And I'm just, and then Mary Kay going to El Salvador during the war to deliver the the um, proclamation. Those people were brave. They were brave. Yes. There's all kinds of activists that worked in the sanctuary movement and then pushed for this doc, for this resolution who who were brave. They were doing illegal things and they were they were trying very hard to be strong and and work for social justice with their friends and um, people in El Salvador and the the bravery is what comes out to me. Sure. You know I um you know think that it, that that the school district should, um, you know, make f- sure that their yeah their high school students are aware yes. that they can 
you know, view this documentation mm-hmm. at the public yeah. library's living history. Because it's so, um, just informs, it you is. know, today. It, you know, the, the, the trip that's coming up in June and, and, and these delegations, you know, can you talk about, you know, we know early on they were doing this during the conflict, during the, the hot war. Um, can you tell us about these trips and why they are have been so important to you? Um, the trips are always a combination of um, talking with other people in the social movement in El Salvador um, and hearing about what the situation is there, the political situation. Um, so it's um, always, you know, heartrending at this point, actually, now, to hear what people are going through now. Um, just, I'll say one thing. They have a, a president who is um, calls himself the coolest dictator in the world. Yes. And um, some people might remember he's the one that made Bitcoin the legal tender, which immediately lost half of its value. And so the list goes on and on of the ways he's trying to consolidate power. Um, so we hear about that. We hear about people that have been put into jail because they've been rounded up with a whole bunch of other people. We hear about those things. We also um, enjoy our friends that we've known over the years. I love that. We always have homestays and eat together with our friends. And um, we always tour the, the village, the city, because um, Addison Architect's Sister City Project sends money each year for not only scholarships and organizing in the region, but also for specific projects. So we get to see the results of that, which is always wonderful, and um, huge smiles, and it's just exciting to see that and then to hear what their next their next hopes are and goals are. Um, yeah, and then we're, we're always traveling with... Um, with people from the U.S. El Salvador Sister Cities Network staff. And so we see parts of the, the country. And, for example, we try to do something that's fun at least once, if not more, each time. And last time we took a group of the embroidery, from the embroidery co-op, we took them and their children to the beach. And so we had a meal together at the beach and swam together and played and, and enjoyed each other's company. So this this um, this year's trip is in June, mm-hmm. so people can attend an informational meeting, mm-hmm. and you know I guess tell folks when that is. But also, how do you prepare for a trip like this? Um, luckily, we have two the the whole network throughout the U.S. There's I don't know fifteen maybe um, cities that are sistered with other cities in El Salvador, and we form a network. And we together support two staff people in El Salvador. And so actually the planning is not very difficult because these uh, Salvadoran staff people, they know their country well, obviously. They know all the sister cities well. And so it's with them that we plan where we're going to stay, how we're going to get there, what the transportation, where we're going to eat, all those things. They take care of the details. We plan a theme, and then depending on who's coming, then we would add in these uh, areas of special interest. So this year the theme is water rights and uh, sustainability in El Salvador. We'll be visiting sugarcane plantations, and we'll also be talking with people in Arcatao who are going through the 
myriad of steps it takes to keep control of their water rather than it becoming privatized. You know, this this trip is um, for the the traveler that can um, rough it a little bit, or how how would you describe this kind of travel? I would not say that anymore. When I first started going to Arcatel, all the houses had outdoor latrines. Um, it was it was rougher. But now there's many houses with indoor latrines because they've installed septic systems. And um, in, uh, in San Salvador, we stay in a lovely guest house. Um, the food, is they're always very careful about food, where we eat and um, who's preparing it. So I wouldn't say, on our last trip, there was a woman who, um, Eunice Gibson, who celebrated her 89th birthday while oh, we were on awesome. the trip. This is great. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think anyone is very welcome to come. There was also a teenager on the trip. Um, some people come with their children. So not, I mean, we haven't had, I don't think, very young children. But definitely preteens would be super interested, and it's a, it's a good time to understand other parts of the world. Now, when is the informational meeting? It's next month, but we wanted to tell people about it. Uh, it's February 16th or 17th? 17th. It's a Saturday morning. Um, maybe your listeners know that we have a wonderful Salvadoran cafe here in Madison where they sell um, great Salvadoran coffee and pupusas and, ques- and Salvadoran quesadillas, which people who've been to El Salvador might be hungry for. Um, that'll be from 10 to 12 on February the 17th. And then also we have another informal gathering on March 16th, which is also a Saturday. Same thing, 10 to 12. And actually, anybody who's a MASCP friend or has been on a trip before or is interested in MASCP or wants to learn more about our delegations and may be interested in going, anybody can come. And, and, you, and, and you all can take questions people might have about the, the, the trip, any concerns and how to prep. Oh, sure. And the, and, and the cost and whatnot. Absolutely. The, you know, it would seem, if not before that meeting on the 17th, or at least before the trip in June, um, to view the living history interviews Absolutely. at the public library. I, I think really, that would just really enhance your understanding exactly. of the whole um, experience. Exactly. And kind of the... The, the basis of this of this sistering, not all sister cities have this political and social justice basis to it. And the ongoing accompaniment that we both have for each other, um, given what the challenges are in our different societies. Yes, I do think that's what makes the Madison sister city partnerships. And this one different is is mm-hmm. the intersection with politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to give a shout out though to all the ten sister city participants yes. in Madison. I mean, I think together we um, keep the, the lines of communication and interest open across the world. Now, if someone wants to get more information about the Madison Arkitao Sister City mm-hmm. Project, is it best to go to your website? Mm-hmm. And is that the way to, yeah, way to go? That's easy, mascp.org. Great. And it's, it's chock full. Um, there's a lot there about the history and their, the group's work. And I, I think the best page is the resource page. There's a lot of resources. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of resources, let me just to say that there's also a fabulous bibliography on the Living History page written uh, by a woman who um, is a historian and a, 
National Humanities Fellow. Um, her name is Molly Todd, and she gives an enormous amount of information, about uh, resources about um, the conflict in El Salvador, solidarity movements, the sistering um, movement, and how that affected things in in El Salvador. It's um, it's really remarkable. Yes, thanks for mentioning that because I think that's that's really valuable. Really, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, thank you so much. I'm speaking with Joan Lorian, and she's with the Madison Architel Sister City Project. The annual trip is June 9th through the 16th yes, of this year, mm-hmm. and their first informational meeting there'll be one in February on the 17th at Finca Cafe, 2500 Rimrock Road. If you haven't been there, and then there'll be one in March, and you get to meet great people like Joan and learn. Exactly. more about the work and the and the the annual trip. So Thanks. thank you, Joan. That went by so fast. Thank I'm you, so Jan. Glad. Thanks for coming <laughs> in this morning. Great to meet you. Good to meet you, too.